Hello everyone, Pastor Kurt here. So on Sunday, I preached on 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. And in this message, I talked about uh, a little bit about Transfiguration Sunday. And I talked about the various things that, um, that veil us or hide from us the, the gospel of Christ, that uh, separate us from growing in a life-transforming life relationship with Christ. And, uh, and so on Sunday, I also preached in, uh, in a different church to help kind of uh, support one of the churches in our connection down in Imperial, uh, Nebraska. And uh, because of that, I pre-recorded my sermon that uh, my congregation then could watch. And so uh, the sermon that you're going to see today was uh, pre-recorded. And so um, before we uh, get into the sermon, I just wanted to read the, the scripture passage for you so you have that context. So again, this is... Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are on the road to destruction. The God of this age has blinded the minds of those who don't have faith, so they could, couldn't see the light of the gospel that reveals Christ's glory. Christ is the image of God. We don't preach about ourselves. Instead, we preach about Christ, Jesus Christ as Lord, and we describe ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. God said the light should shine out of the darkness. He is the same one who shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm sorry I couldn't be there with you today in person, but I want to thank you for uh, so helping to support our connection by allowing me to go down to Imperial today to preach. And so again, thank you much for that. So there are many benefits to living in the city. Having grown up in Southern California, close to Los Angeles, I've experienced many of those benefits. There are so many opportunities for entertainment in the city. Uh, one example of that are the large movie theaters with uh, many um, theaters in one building. And so you can basically see any kind of movie that you would want to see. There is a uh, plethora of dining opportunities in the city. You can, if you want American, you can have American. If you want Mexican, you can have Mexican or Indian or, uh, or Middle Eastern food or Thai or whatever kind of food you want, you can basically find it in the city. Um, one of the things I miss about living in the city is that uh, you could have basically any kind of food delivered to your house. Uh, we're here. It's basically pizza or you got to wait for one of the DoorDash people to be on duty. <laughs> so there just aren't a lot of those opportunities living in a small town. Um, also, uh, shopping. You could find basically anything that you would ever want in the city. And the hours of those stores were open quite a bit longer than they are in, in smaller towns. Sometimes things are open in the middle of the night. So if you get up in, in the middle of the night and you have a craving for something, you can typically find it in the city. There are um, just so many opportunities for diversity and cultural experiences and being exposed to different ethnicities and, and, and ideas. And just the options as a whole are never limited in the city. I remember when I moved uh, back to the Midwest from California, one of the questions I oftentimes would get asked is, well, why did you move back here? as though living in California or living in the city uh, was so much better than living in, um, uh, in the Midwest or in a smaller town. And though there are benefits, of course, to living in the city, many of which I, I have mentioned to you, 
Um, there's also a lot of disadvantages to living in the city as well. In the city, you're always on the go and people are, are always uh, so busy and distracted that um, we don't really notice anybody in the city. Um, there's just so much coming at you all at once, all the time in the city. One of the things I, I really loved when I moved back to the Midwest um, was just how, how the pace of life was a bit slower and there weren't as many distractions. Um, I would love to go, I love to go visit uh, my in-laws when they had their ranch uh, south of Oshkosh um, because they were a couple of miles outside of town or several miles outside of town and it was just so quiet. <laughs> we didn't have the road noise from the highway and you didn't have all the light pollution. So when you went outside, you could actually hear nature. Right? You could, you could smell things other than exhaust. Uh, you could actually look up in the night sky and you could see the stars in the Milky Way. You just don't have any of that when you live in the city. Um, and, and so there are disadvantages to living in the city. In the city, people were always on the go somewhere. And it wasn't until I arrived back to the Midwest in a small town that I realized just how disconnected people are in the city. Um, people don't look at each other when they're to and fro on the sidewalk because they're always focused on the next thing that they have going on. They're too, too distracted and they've got too much going on in their heads to, to do the little two-finger wave over the steering wheel as they're passing by people on the road. That's something that I've always was fascinated with whenever I'd come to visit my dad in the summer times. And I'd say, who are you waving at, dad? And he'd say, I don't know, just what we do here. I think the worst thing about living in the city is how distracted and impersonal life really is. Our connection to those around us and even our connection to God is oftentimes hidden or veiled. And this is really what came to mind to me as I was thinking about this passage today in 2 Corinthians. Not unlike how city life can distract us from our connection with others and with God, there are many other things that can distract us as well with our connection to God. In our reading today, Paul is seeking to push back against a group of false teachers who were distracting folks from the message that he was trying to preach, from the good news and the gospel that Paul had originally offered to the Corinthian church. In essence, what Paul was, was, uh, was talking about in our passage is how the gospel of Jesus can be hidden or veiled by many different things. In verse 4, Paul specifically lifts up the God of this age as the thing for which causes people to turn away from the gospel. We've been distracted by many things which have prevented us from seeing, um, seeing the grace and the glory of God. Now, what exactly Paul was talking about when he said the God of this age is, is unclear, as this is the only place in his letters where we see this phrase, but some biblical commentators suggest that the God of this age is Satan, the devil. Other commentators suggest that the God of this age are the numerous idols that we lift up in place of our relationship with God. I suppose either one of these uh, explanations would be just as valid as they both have the same effect. They hide the glory of God from us. They separate us in, in ways in some ways, uh, with our relationship with God. I think it's important to remember, as we think about um, the things that veil God's presence from our lives, um, is to think about what it is that God is, or that those things are hiding from us. 
What is the good news of Jesus Christ? The good news is that Jesus came to bring salvation to the world. We read in Luke chapter 4 how Jesus sums up the ministry um, that he came that he came to do. And so we read that Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been raised, and on the Sabbath he went to the synagogue as he normally did, and he stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, to the recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim that the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the synagogue assistant, and he sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed upon him. And he began to explain to them, Today, he said, Today this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. These are the things Jesus came to do. Right? Preach good news to the poor. Release to the prisoners. Recovery sight to the blind. The good news of Christ is a changed heart and life. Reorienting ourselves to that of Christ of sacrificial love and forgiveness and putting others before ourselves. The gospel of Christ is good news to all of those who suffer in this world and a world full of deceit and selfishness and greed and pride and consumption and prejudice because the gospel seeks the welfare and benefit of all and not just the self. The gospel of Christ is a new way of living in the world that is very different than what we see outside. But the God of this age, whatever it is, the culture of this age, seeks to hide the gospel of sacrificial love with the veil of individualism, self-determination, wealth, fame, basically selfishness. The heart of what it means to be a Christian is all about transformation. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This image is the image of the Lord, the image of Christ. To be a Christian is to allow the Spirit to transform us bit by bit, into the likeness of Christ, to be more loving and forgiving, to be more, uh, to be, to think more about other people rather than ourselves. Every bit, every little bit, every single day. But this is hard to do, right, when we are constantly distracted by the God of this age, by the things of this world that are contrary to the good news of Jesus. One of the biggest laments I oftentimes hear um, from people, and it's something that I reflect on myself quite a bit, is that people don't come to church like they used to. Church isn't like it used to be when we were children, when we were growing up, or or when we were younger. Right? It's something I, I know I think about a lot, um, and I talk a lot with you all about this. And this isn't something new, right? We, we talk about this all the time. And it's certainly easy for us to play the blame game when we start thinking about why 
the church is, has changed so much, right, in these days and age. But I'm not sure how blaming and judging other people for not doing things the way we did it when we were young is, is really all that helpful. It only seems to exacerbate the veil uh, that, that uh, is placed over the gospel more than it does to, to reveal it. I don't know a lot, but I do know how life-changing a relationship with Jesus is, though. And for me, and for many of you, that life-changing relationship with Jesus has been formed through the traditional ways of the church, through going to church on Sunday, through, um, through attending Bible study and going to potlucks and spending time in fellowship groups and, and just being with other people who are on the same journey of transformation as you are. And, and there's much benefit to those things. But I'm also aware that, uh, that there are many who, um, who do not connect with God in those ways. There, I'm certainly aware that the church itself has done its fair share of veiling of the gospel through the sinful things that we have done as well, through, you know, children's sex abuse scandals and, um, you know, fiscal malfeasance and those types of things. We always see scandal after scandal um, in the news, and it seems like the media really likes to talk about those types of things. And so it doesn't matter so much to me whether people come to know Christ through traditional means, like many of us have, or through some other means that is not as traditional as we might experience. The important thing is, is that people come to know Christ. Because we know, I know, through experience, how important that is in our lives. One of the things I do know is that there is no way, however, that we can enter into that transformative relationship with Christ unless we intentionally turn towards Christ and away from the God of this age. It's more important that one orients their life towards God than it is how they actually do it. Because Paul says in chapter 3, verse 16, but whenever someone turns back to the Lord, the veil is removed. As long as we keep focused on Christ, the Lord will continue to reveal himself to us. But when we turn away from Christ, seeking our own way, seeking the things of this world, the God of this age, then we can no longer see Jesus. And we begin to revert to our old ways of the world. Of course, I can think of many things that distract us and pull us away from Christ. I think uh, all of us are, are way too busy. Um, and because we've got so many things going on, it's hard to spend time with Christ, right? It's hard to spend time in worship. It's hard to do those types of things. I think it's hard to, to spend time with God when we're on the go from sunrise to sunset and sometimes even into the night, right? I think we've allowed our politics to divide us and to distract us, allowing our politics to influence our faith rather than our faith influencing our politics. The desire for wealth and fame and possessions, keeping up with the Joneses, has only served to pull us away from our focus on Christ on self-sacrifice instead of selfishness, just as it's always done throughout history. 
And I could go on. There are so many different things that pull us away from Christ. Today is uh, Transfiguration Sunday. Um, it is the, uh, the end of the season of Epiphany, transitioning into the season of Lent. The season of Epiphany is the season of revelation of who Jesus is, it, of who Jesus is. And so throughout the season of Epiphany, um, the revelation of Christ, we, uh, we see passages like the, uh, the Magi coming to visit, uh, Jesus, right? Uh, they come to reveal, um, Jesus and the many aspects of Jesus and his ministry to the Gentiles. We see, uh, stories of, uh, of Anna, um, in, uh, in the temple. And we see stories, um, uh, if we were looking at the gospel lesson for today, um, we would be looking at the story of Jesus taking Peter, James, and John to the mountaintop, and he is transformed in front of them, and uh, and Elijah and Moses appear as well, and, and we get to see the full divinity of Christ in that moment. And so um, this, this, this season is all about revelation. And so we've talked a little bit about the revelation of Christ in today's message, but we've also talked about the ways in which um, that, that revelation is veiled, is hidden, right, through the many things of this world. And so as we transition into Lent, Lent begins a season of self-denial where we begin to remove those things in our lives that, uh, that veil us, that hide us from uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. Each and every one of us have something in our lives that puts a veil over the gospel. And it might be different for each one of us. As we journey through Lent, though, I want to encourage you to identify those things that separate you from Christ and pick one of those things and, and try to remove that from your life. And so maybe, maybe for you, um, we spend too much time on our phones and that is preventing us from spending more time with God. Maybe we spend too much time scrolling through our social media, right? Maybe, Maybe it's not our phones that's the problem. Maybe it's uh, spending too much time um, watching sports or shopping or reading. I, I know uh, for me, um, I love to read good a good fiction book. And sometimes I can get so immersed into that that I lose all track of everything going on in my life. Um, or watching TV. I get sucked into a, a show on Netflix and I end up binge watching all day rather than uh, spending a little bit more time with God. Personally, I'll, I'll be seeking to manage uh, my time a little bit better so I can spend a bit more time every single day with God. I, I do my normal daily devotional time with God, but I think it becomes too easy for us to do that in the morning and then just check that off as something that we've done. And, uh, and we forget to spend time with God throughout the day. And so that's one of the things I'm going to be working on. So what is it with you? What is that one thing, this land, that you can remove from your life so that you can focus back on God. Let us pray. Lord God, as we come to the close of the season of Epiphany, we pray for your continued revelation in our lives and that you will help us to remove those things that hide your love from us so that we might be continually transformed into your likeness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week, and hopefully I'll be seeing some of you um, this week for Bible study and then, of course, our um, Ash Wednesday service. So, bye. 
I hope in my prayers that you were able to hear a word from God for your life today. If you have any questions, suggestions, or would like to share with me some of your own thoughts about today's message, I would love to hear from you. And you can send those to the show email address at admin at So may you go forth today in peace, shining the light of Christ everywhere you go. Until next time, have a blessed day. Bye.